So let's go quickly, take our Bibles in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. Who has this Bible? Please pick your Bible up. Please say, say this, is my Bible. this is my Bible. I believe everything, I believe everything. In, this Bible. in this Bible. I believe everything, I believe everything. In, this Bible. in this Bible. I believe it. I read it as a matter of death or life. In the name of Jesus, I receive grace from everything that is written. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody, we were talking at home and uh, I was explaining to my family because we were asking why. Are we not reading scriptures the way we should read? I say because we haven't gotten it as a matter of death or life. Or life. You see, when you go to hospital and they give you a prescription and they say, this tablet, drink it in the morning and in the evening, and if you skip it, it will be your health will deteriorate. You know, you, you, you even set an alarm. Do you understand that? You set an alarm so that you can... Some people have an alarm in their, in their cell phone. When it goes, you say, it's the time for my medication. Yeah. Because they know if they don't drink it, they'll be kaput. Now, the Bible, you don't understand that, that this word is life. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you are reading the, the law uh, to find, to find, uh, to, to, he said, you are reading the law in way to pursue God, but you don't know it's written about me. So what I'm trying to tell you is that as long as you don't understand that this is the word that will give you life, you won't read it. It's like a book. But if everything that is here, you understand that is impartation for life, you read it. Can I give you an advice? Most of it, there is a difference between studying the scripture and reading the scripture. Now, it's not every time you must study. Sometimes you must just read it. You just read it, just so that your spirit can get acquainted to the voice of God. Just read it. Some people don't read even the book of Chronicles and Numbers because they say Chronicles and this beget and this and that. It's, it's good. It's good for you to read. When they say I've read from the Bible, they skip that part. Come on, it's too difficult. You need to read. I must, I must admit, when I get there, it's a challenge. My flesh wants to quit, but I, say, I need to know who, 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 who J-Bock is. I need to know... Who Jehu was, I need to know these guys. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. So Hebrews chapter number 12. Lord, give us grace. I know you guys want to go home. I don't know why you are in a hurry. It's like as soon as you come, I see your face is like, ah. <laughs> Hebrews chapter number 12. Can we read from verse 1 to 3? Hallelujah. Can we all stand up? We're going to read the word of God. Uh, you can read it from here. One, two, three. So great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the offer and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that set before him 
endured the cross. Let's go. Despising its shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. For consider him who endures such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Say, Lord Jesus, Jesus, speak to me. me. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Now, we all read the book of Hebrews. I know many Christians like the book of Hebrews because it talks about things that we want to hear sometimes. Hallelujah. And some of us, we don't like Hebrews 12. We like the first part that talks about we have come to Mount Zion, but we don't like the part where he says God disciplines us. That one we don't like because we keep it, you know. You know, people want to explain God. I hear people, I hear, and we all say, if as a father, I cannot do that to my son, I don't think God will do it. Who told you so? <laughs> Who told you? God, let me make this statement. God is more interested in your character than in your comfort. You need to know that. So everything that it takes to build character in you, God can do. Yes, that one you need to know it. And people don't know that. So that's why some people are giving up on God. He said, if a wicked as you are, you can give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father? He's talking about the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen? So Hebrews chapter number 12. I'm going to preach like that, you see. I like to preach from my spirit. Hebrews 12 says that since we are surrounded by a so great cloud of witnesses. Now, this is the first thing I want to tell you is that the cloud of witnesses, sometimes we make a misinterpretation of that. Because people believe that the cloud of witnesses is like when we are sitting here, Moses is here. Uh, It's not like that. Moses is not here. Hallelujah. You must study scripture. I know that our forerunners, our fathers, how many people understand that revelation is progressive? So when our fathers, the people that we look up to preach to us, they were not wrong. It's just what they understood. It doesn't mean that they were, you know, we don't make fun of them. There is a, a, a limitation of knowledge. Knowledge increases as we go. You see, if you buy an iPhone this year, next year it's already old. How many people understand that? Now, if the natural world can go so fast, what about the spiritual world? So it means your revelation of yesterday in the spirit is so old that you need to, you need to, you need to know God today in a new way. Otherwise, you are behind. Now, the cloud of witness. How many people understand that, that Hebrews uh, 12 comes just after Hebrews 11? <laughs> now, now, if you count, you find 11 before 12. Mm-hmm. Now, what is he talking about in Hebrews 11? He's talking about faith. But what did he use as an example? He used the old covenant saint. He used Abraham. He used Enoch. 
He used Elijah. He used women that got their death back to life. He used all this. This is what we call the cloud of witness. The cloud of witness is the testimonies. Since we are surrounded by such a great, great, great cloud of testimonies. So when you read Hebrews chapter number 11, it's a cloud of testimony for you. Hallelujah. Now, there's a family in heaven. Hallelujah. There's a family in heaven. People that are passed on are not dead in heaven. They are alive. So these people, it's a family. The Bible talks about our family on earth and in heaven. Hallelujah. So this family is in heaven, but we are here on earth surrounded by their testimonies. So when I look at their testimony, I can find faith. If Abraham could do it, I can also do it too. If Elijah could shut the heavens and upon God's command, I can do too. So it's a cloud of witness that we have. He says, since we are surrounded by a, such a great cloud of witness, let us, let us what? Lay aside the sun that so easily ensnares us. Let us lay aside every weight. Okay? Let's start by weight. He said, let us lay aside every weight. So weight is not sin. Now, a weight is something that weighs you down. It's like you are in a race and you go with your suitcase. Even if you are Usain Bolt and you go with all the suitcase you put on your shoulder and then they say, I think I will pass you. You understand? Because you, there is a weight. Now, in this context, what is weight? Weight is more emotional. You need to understand that the thing that causes you not to run this race well is the emotion that are attached to life. People are burdened by emotions. Hallelujah. It's a weight that so easily comes on us. We are carrying, some people, they are sitting here, but they are carrying events that happened 10 years ago. They are here. You understand? Somebody died 10 years ago. That death is still on their shoulder. Wherever you see them, they carry it. Something happened to them, they never moved on. A weight on their shoulders. Many people in the kingdom today are burdened by those weights that we carry. You know the name of your weight that you carry? You know them. You, you are so easily offended. Hallelujah. You carry those things. It's like, whoa. You carry them on your shoulders. Many people, when you ask them, how are you doing? I don't Put the scripture there, please. Go back. He said, therefore, since we also are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every weight. Let us lay it, keep it like that. Let lay aside every You know that the laying aside of a weight is not God's business, it's yours. It's an intentional thing. You need to do it. If you decide not to lay it down, it will never be laid down. People are praying, God, please help me. No, you lay it down. You say, let us lay it down. Let us lay it down. Hallelujah. So tonight, you need to understand that what hinders your progress, it's not necessarily certain. The, the person that can stop you from going, it's you. 
Satan can put traps on the way, but you can jump over. Hallelujah. But the person that can really stop you, it's you. Now, there are things that you need to understand that people are dealing with. There is, in life, there are three things that people deal with. People deal with the past. Hallelujah. And they don't enjoy their present. And they are worried for this future. These are the three levels where people will get stuck. You know, the past, everybody knows that you cannot go back to the past. And everybody knows that you can't go to the future. So what is the, the, the purpose of, of, of getting you stuck on your past and your future so that you won't be effective today? The enemy is afraid of your effectiveness. So he put those weight, you, you, you carry them, you, you think you are training. You, you are not training, you are killing yourself. You see, I went to gym one time, it was so funny, and they gave me a weight that is bigger than me. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? So I was lying there, and my personal trainer said, this thing came to my chest. Because my, my, my muscles were not training enough to handle it. You see? And, and I, was in the, I was in the United States, and uh, I was staying somewhere, and we have a beautiful gym in the house. So <laughs> I, I went to train, and you know there is something that they put the weight, and then you pull it like this. Then, then they heard, go! They were laughing, and I, when I came out, I said, oh, you were training. I said, yes. <laughs> because the weight was superior to my capacity. So if you keep on pulling weights that are bigger than your capacity, guess what? It will destroy you. Today, God wants you to throw away every weight, everything that keeps you from progress. You've been praying for God to set you free. Today, I've come to tell you, set yourself free. The emotion, leave them aside. Somebody hurts me, so what? He was hurting you because he was broken. You know, many people that hurt you because they are broken. So, to, so they hurt you to feel good. And then you take that weight and you see. And he said, then the sin that so easily ensnares us. Sin. There is something that people don't know, that, that sin is real in the lives of people. Jesus has washed us clean, but we can also jump in the dirt again. Hallelujah. And when we jump in the dirt, he asks us to repent so that he can wash us. But the sin is so easy. Now, when you talk about sin, people say, adultery. This. No, we are small stuff that Christians don't care about, like pride. They are pride in hearts. Hallelujah. People are prideful. And, and, and you, listen, think with pride that you don't know you are prideful. You actually think you are very humble. That's the deception of pride. Because deception of pride makes you think that you are humble, but you are not. Hallelujah. So you become self-centered. Become self-centered. You defend yourself while you don't need to defend yourself. Because you are the center. They are things that so easily, so easily, oh God help us. Say God help us. These things are so easily coming our way that, that, that a breakthrough can become your downfall. Do you know that after every breakthrough, it's the, past, the pathway for your downfall? Yeah. 
So we need to understand that it's easy, Vosim, it's easy. You say, let lay it aside. We need to trust God to help us to lay aside those things that so easily ensnares us. It's like it traps us and we can't go on. We are, we are, we are, seated. We are sitting, we can't move. It feels like we are moving, but we are not. There are many things that we can talk about that, that so easily ensnares Christian life. Hallelujah. Even the way we think about other people. How do we think about other people? You know, it's easy to laugh at other people, but when they laugh at you, how do you react? It's easy to make fun on other people, but what about you? When they make fun on you, how do you react? These are easy things. We don't know it's big, but it's big. And God said, that's what stops you from progress. Many things that we say, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, if the enemy is blocking my way, sometimes you're blocking your own way. I'm telling you, and that I'm sure, one day, when we get before Jesus, Satan will say, I was not there when they did that. <laughs> yes. Satan said, no, I was not even there. I was in Japan by that time. Because <laughs> the church... He's accusing the thing. Satan is just one Satan. Hallelujah. Now, he has demons under his control, but he's just one guy. Hallelujah. <laughs> so sometimes he would tell, he say, hey, Jesus, I was not there. Tell them I was not there. Have you realized that the Bible gives command to tell you don't or stop because it's in your power to do it? God has given you power to do it. So he said, the sin that, and then what do we do? He said, let us run the race. Let's go. And, and, uh, let us run the race. And let us run the race the, with endurance, the race that is set before us. Now, here, the word race here is a Greek word that means a context, a contest. It means that it's a you, it's like you enter a contest or you enter uh, a competition. That's the word you use here. Now, this competition is not against anyone. It's against yourself. So he said you run with endurance or with patience the race that is set before you. How do you do that? You do that by not competing with other people. In this race, you have no business looking at the lane of the other person. Hallelujah. He said, let's run with endurance. There is a quality that we need to have people endurance. Endurance is going out of a window because of a problem we have. People are not enduring anymore. And what can cause you not to be enduring, not to endure, is that you have made yourself false goals. Because you, you have made yourself, you have put those goals that I, I must be here by that time. And then when you are not there, you feel, oh. But who put those goals for you? You see, people are funny. They stand up and say, from now, I'll pray at 5 a.m. Then after two, they can't do it. They say, oh, I don't know what is wrong with you. Who told you to put at 5 a.m.? You are your own problem. 
You know, you know, you know, you can't wake up at 5 a.m. You say, did it. Then after a while, you say, no, God, I don't know what, the Holy Spirit. We impose things to ourselves that God does not. And then we get discouraged because we can't live up to that standard. Hallelujah. God say, I'm calling you. You say, by next year, I must have a big ministry. <gasps> then next year, when you don't have that big ministry, you think, I don't know what is wrong with me. I'm not. It's your own goals. It's not wrong to put goals, but it's good to put them according to God's purpose and agenda in your life. That you must always go before God and say, where are we going to be, you and I, next year? And let the Holy Ghost inspire and reveal that to you, and then you run with patience. People are not patient anymore. I had a friend. He told me, he, he said, you, he, he said, I'm so impatient. I said, how can, uh, uh, describe to me. He said, before I feel to we, I flash. He <laughs> said, that's how impatient I am. I can't even stand there until I finish. I just flash because I can't wait. The guy came to the preacher. He said, preacher, I need prayer. I need prayer. He said, he said what do you, why do you need prayer? I'm so impatient. I need God to help me. He said, okay, when do you want to pray? He said, now. He said, you are not ready. Go. <laughs> you see, people, there's a quality which is part of the fruit of the spirit. Patience. Said you are never patience. Sometimes if you are patient, the thing will solve itself before even you can solve it. You know, people call me, they said, I need to hear from God now. I say, phone me in a week. I say, I need now. I say, no, you phone me in the week. And in the week when you phone me, they say, no, actually, I got the answer. I say, okay. That's what I was trying to tell you. You are not patient. Because you feel if God does not speak now, I'm dead. But you've been living. So we need, he said, let's run the race. This race, this patience, let's run it with patience. So there's a race that we are engaged in. It's the race of your life. You will be judged according to the race of your life, not the life of the race of somebody else. And the achievement is not compared to the achievement of somebody else. God will tell you good and faithful servant, not based on what other people are doing, but based on your commitment and your faithfulness toward what he has given you. That's where good and faithful servant comes in. Good and faithful servant is not the amount. Because the parable where God told people, he gave them talent, one he gave him two, another one five, another one one. The two got two more, the five got five more. But the two that got two more got the same reward, the same thing as the one that got five. So you need to understand, we are not in a race with anyone. People come to church and they set themselves standards. You see, I see young minister. Somebody told me, eh, I want to Malawi. And somebody tell me, I want, to, I want to have everything you have. I said, fine. But that's dangerous. Because some of the things that I have, you don't want it. Hallelujah. You don't want it. And some of the ways that God has taken me through, you don't want it. So you can't just say that. I lay my hands on him, I didn't comment. He just lay my hands and receive. 
<laughs> no. People are not patient. We are not patient. And that is killing us. That is killing us. And God wants you to exercise patience. Patience over your own self. If you are not, you cannot control your own self. No one will listen to you. If you are not disciplined enough to discipline yourself, no one will listen to you. Hallelujah. Now, then he carries on. Let's put it, let's carry on. Quickly, I need to finish it. Okay. Looking unto Jesus. So where are we looking? Where are we looking? The author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. Now, how do you look unto Jesus? No, come on. How do you look unto Jesus? You close your eyes, I'm seeing Jesus. How do you do that? How do you look unto Jesus? Because that's where the problem lies. When we say, it's easy to say, look unto Jesus. Now, where is he? As I close my eyes and imagine he's sitting on the throne in heaven. So. But I have a real problem here. You understand? I, I, I have a problem here. You say looking unto Jesus. Now where is he? Spirit. I'll explain to you. It will help you a bit. Looking unto Jesus is not mystical. Looking unto Jesus means that you must look into Scripture. Because Jesus, when talk about Jesus, talking about the word. So what does it mean? That when I'm running my race and the weight is coming, who do I look to? Unto Jesus. When the weight of sickness comes, instead of looking at the sickness, what do I look? I look for Isaiah 53. So my focus is on Isaiah 53, not on the disease. Hallelujah. When I'm struggling with provision, I look unto Jehovah Jireh. You understand that the problem we are having now is that we are looking too much at the problem. And the more you look at the problem, you miss the Jesus. So you need to know that everything that comes your way has an answer in Scripture. So what do you do? You look into the Scripture, and you find the answer of what you are struggling with, and you zoom into it. And when you zoom into it, you don't consider anymore what is happening to you. I read the book of Romans chapter number 4 from verse 18. The Bible talks about Abraham. He said his body was dead, as good as dead. Hello? They say his body was good as, as dead, but he did not focus on that. Now, I don't know how I can bring it out so that you can understand. I don't want to say things that are not right in your ear. But Abraham was 99 years old. Amen? So, physically, he couldn't go with a woman anymore. That's what the Bible meant. He couldn't. When God told him he was going to have a child, instead of looking at his condition, he looked at God. So it was impossible for Abraham to have intimacy with Sarah. It was not possible. That's why Sarah laughed. Because she knew her husband. <laughs> you understand? So, so Sarah laughed. Sarah said, ha, ha. Then, 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 then God said, Sarah, you laughed. He said, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. He said, you did. You did. 
Do you understand that even Abraham, when God told him the first time, he fell and he put his face on the sand and he laughed. Because he knew. Mm -mm. Before he got Isaac, when his wife said, go with Agar, did Abraham laugh? Because he was capable. On the time of Ishmael, of Isaac, he laughed. Because the Bible says his body was good as dead. Now, some people focus on their inabilities. God gives you a promise. You are focusing on what you can do instead of focusing on what God has said. It's not what you can do. It's what he can do with you and through you. Listen, if God tells you something, you better believe it and receive it even if it's big. Because we serve a God that is big. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, because it will take faith for you to believe and to look unto Jesus. Hallelujah. If God says you're going to raise the dead, you went for your first dead, and when you pray, so he was more dead than when you came there. <laughs> you look unto the word. Don't look unto what you can't do. You see, if you look unto the word, you will always come up. The problem is that we don't have enough word to look unto. We have just little word in our spirit. So when things come, we panic. You will panic. He said, looking unto Jesus, the orphan fisher of our faith. Now he will tell us, who, looking for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Can I shock you? That the cross was just a setup. Jesus, <laughs> we, we, we have that thing. He came to die. No, that's not the whole purpose. No. That is a, that is a, is a part of it, but it's not the whole purpose. He didn't just come to die. If he just came to die, resurrection was unnecessary. He didn't just come to die. They said, looking, he, he, the, because of the joy, he endured the cross. So the cross was just a passage. He was going toward the joy. He go, going toward the joy. But to get the joy, there was something that was called the cross. And he needed to go through it. So the cross was painful. If he focused on the cross, he wouldn't be able to go. The only place in his life where he focused on the cross, he, tried, he nearly denied it. In Matthew chapter number 26, he said, Father, this assignment is too big for me. If, if it's possible, let it pass away. But not according to my will, but let your will be done. So in that time, he focused on the cross and he nearly gave up. He gave up. Bible says he was looking unto the joy until he came to the day where the cross became real and he started to focus on the cross and he nearly gave up. But he was coming for the joy. Ah. He was coming for the joy. The purpose was the joy. And what is the joy that was set before him? The resurrection and the glorification. So Jesus came to be glorified. Remember when he prayed, he didn't say, Father, kill me now. He said, Father, glorify your son. So the whole purpose of Jesus coming is for him to be glorified. But he couldn't be glorified without the cross. So the cross was part of the agenda, but was not the finality of Jesus' purpose here on earth. He came to be glorified. 
But yet you need to go through the cross. I'm here to tell you that God has said things to you that you're going to be blessed, you're going to do this, but in between there is a place. And that place, many people don't know it's there. And when they come to that place, they get a shock. Can I submit to you that God makes you promises without telling you most of the time what you're going to endure from the promise? Because most of us will run away. So he better not tell us. You see, an old man told me one thing. He said, this is, this is how prophecy works. It's like God stands on this mountain, and he can only see the peak of the other mountain. And uh, he's telling you to go to the peak of the mountain. But the first time he tells you, he picks you and drops you to the peak of the mountain. That prophecy. And then he brings you back. Now, before you go there, you must go through the valley. But when you were with him, you didn't go through the valley. So now, when you are going through the valley, you think, Lord, I'm lost. You told me I'm going to the mountaintop. Now, me, I'm fighting the lion and the bear here. They're going to kill me. Focus on the mountaintop because that's where you are going. That's where you are going. Most of you that are discouraged today, you are not discouraged because God doesn't want to do it. You are discouraged because you don't know what is the full package. When God called me into ministry, if he had told me everything I'm going to endure, I'm not sure I would have responded. No, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. So he set the joy before me. So when I was going through it, he said, keep your eyes on the joy. <laughs> and just, just go. Keep the joy that he set before him, endure the cross. And let go on. And he said, he endured the cross, despising the shame, <laughs> the shame. Look at people, people cursing him, spiting on the Creator, on God Almighty, because he has limited himself into a body. And then, you know, it was so easy for Jesus to just tell them, die, and they die. Even Herod standing in front of Jesus, questioning him, didn't know he was a master of, 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 of the universe. He was put to shame, but his idea was to stand until he's glorified. So it doesn't matter, came his way, he was ready because he was waiting for the glorification. I'm here to encourage you tonight. I don't know what you are going through, but maybe it's part of a journey for you to reach where God wants to take you. And, 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 and the, the, patient, the patience part is that not everything will happen overnight. No, some of the things will take a bit of time. You see, the, the elephant, there was an elephant and a dog that were pregnant together. And then the dog delivered. And after a few months, she fell pregnant again. She delivered. And she fell pregnant. She delivered. And she came to the elephant. He said, Mama elephant, are you sure you are pregnant? <laughs> so why? He said, because I've given three times birth already. You, so that thing, it's not a stone in your tummy. The elephant said, no, Mama dog, let me tell you something. When this thing in my tummy called a baby hits the ground, when that baby cross the road, the car will stop for it. But yours, the car will kill it. <laughs> so the preparation takes long because the destiny is better. Sometimes what God wants to do in your life you have to prepare you so that when it happens, it does not kill you. 
Because some people, they don't know how to handle fame. When they become famous quickly, it takes their head. And the next time we found them in bed with Delilah. Because they were not trained to overcome the taste of the flesh. So, so God needs to train and build character in you. Can I submit to you that double-story houses with single-story foundations are not the same? You take much more strength and time in a double-story foundation than just a, a, a whatever. So sometimes you need to understand the spiritual thing work like that. Do you think Jesus came on earth just overnight? No, he was slain before the foundation of the world. It took time in the agenda of God before he reveals him. Ah, I'm here to tell you tonight. Maybe, maybe, just a maybe, just a maybe, just a maybe, just maybe the devil you are fighting is God's hands. And you are not ready to submit to God's discipline and you are all over the show instead of going on your knees say, Father, if it's you, I receive it. If the devil cut it off. If it's you, I receive it. Because you know better than myself. You know me better than I know myself. And, and people can laugh at you. People can mock you. You see, I have a son in the Lord. And he was in my ministry. And he went away and did the ministry. And he came and said, Dad, I don't know why your ministry is stuck. Because my, I'm already having 2,000 people. I said, is that so? Yes. I said, go on. You, you come to ask me that. He's nowhere to be seen. I said, you don't know what you are talking about. You, you have no idea of what you are talking about. Hmm? Me, I'm not a single story. Yes. So, so, so you can go, you put your roof, I'm coming. <laughs> listen, listen. I want to tell you, people, don't be discouraged because of the achievement of other people around you. Focus on what God wants to do in your life. Allow God to mature you. Yes, bless you, Mama. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Let your, your, your foundation go deep, looking unto Jesus, meaning you are not worried about whatever people are saying. When people gossip about you, you know it's normal. It's part of the making of a giant. The making of a giant is include the gossip, the slandering. It includes everything because you are being prepared to be a giant. You know, there is a guy that went to a village and he said, I came to see the village where great people are born because there were people that were born, that, be, that were great, that became great. And the old man said, no, you are in the wrong village. So what do you mean? Isn't yet so-and-so are born? He said, yes, but they are all born babies. Great people are not born here. Babies are born here. And they turn into great people. So God is, listen, I'm, I, I've been sent with this mission to tell you that God is busy with you. Don't come out of a heaven before you are cooked. Otherwise people won't be able to taste you. Why? Because you are not ready. You need to, to, to submit to the process. Hallelujah. And when it's finished and done, people will talk about you. Hallelujah. 
But in between, be patient. Say to your neighbor, patience. Say, neighbor, be patient, please, please. Hallelujah. Say, neighbor, be patient. Hallelujah. Be patient. You know how patience works at every level of grace you enjoy it. It means that today you preach to 10 people, it's the, it, 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 it the grace that God has given you. You enjoy it and he moves you to 20 people. You enjoy it and you move it. You, you, you enjoy it trusting him, but you still enjoy it. It means you, you don't come back. <laughs> no. You say, Lord, thank you. I'm going to enjoy this. And I'm going to preach them as they are 10,000. And when you prove yourself, it comes. But if waiting for the 2,000, you can't preach to two, you have a big problem. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So, 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 so when my leg is painful and I cannot walk, I see myself walking because I'm looking unto Jesus. I'm not looking to my leg. I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Hallelujah. Are you blessed tonight? I say, are you blessed tonight? God has purpose for you. God has an agenda for you. So we, I, I just want to bring the encouragement before I talk about uh, the new year. Hallelujah. You see, Paul said in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse 7, he said, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. I have fought the good fight of faith. Not the bad fight, the good fight. There are people that are fighting the bad fight. Good fight. And, and the word that Paul used there means I have finished what was entrusted to me. It means my career. It's a word that means career or what was given to me. So Paul came to a place where he said, whatever the Lord asked me to do, I have finished it. I have run that race. But then, that race was involving a fight of faith. So in the race, there was a fight. But he said, I fought the good fight of faith. Then I have finished the race. It means that if you don't fight the good fight, you cannot finish the race. There is an involvement, there is a component of, of fights in the race. You need, to, you need to desire God more than you desire yourself. It means if God promised you that you're going to be, let's say, a doctor, you don't sleep every night and say you are going to be a doctor. You need to wake up and study. There is a fight connected to the promise. You need to give yourself over. If God calls you to ministry, please don't eat every day. You, you need, you, there, there are days where you need not to eat. You need to fast. There are days. Yes, yes, you, you, yes. Listen, listen, listen. I'm, I'm being serious here. That if you, you are not serious about what God has called you, who will be serious about it? If you don't put on yourself, who is going to put on himself for you? So the, the, the reason, some of you, I talk about patience. I'm not talking about laziness. Because some of you have been waiting for 10 years. You are supposed to happen already. But you are sitting there. No, me. It's God time. God does it when he wants to. No, it's not like that. You need to, you need to be approved by God. Hallelujah. By the, your way of being diligent to what God has entrusted you for. If God told you you're going to preach, you need to start to study the Bible. 
You cannot stand up and say, when I get there, the Holy Spirit is going to tell me. It doesn't work like that. I preach here without really taking the Bible because I've read the Bible before. So I'm not a magician. I cannot invent scripture. I can only quote what I've read. There's a seriousness that is lacking to this generation where people are not putting effort on what they are doing. Listen, these people that are millionaires, go and look their lifestyle. They will tell you what they did. I'm not talking about the fraud. I'm not talking about the corruption. They become millionaires overnight because they stole money from somewhere. I'm talking about those who consistently made their way through. You will see there's a type of discipline that they have for themselves. Christians don't have a discipline anymore. No, I will pray when the Holy Ghost tells me. What? Where do you want to go with your life? You need to be intentional about your relationship with Jesus. Yes, it's not every time that he will invite you into your prison. Invite yourself sometime. Yes, sometimes you need to invite yourself. It's not, it's not everything that I do that I feel the Holy... No, sometimes when I wake up at night to pray, it's not because the Holy Ghost says, go pray, go pray. No, I feel that me, I've decided. As for me and my house. There is a decision that you need to make for your own future. If you are listening to me here, student, you are not studying, don't come from a prayer line for exam. I will not pray for such stupidity. <laughs> Hallelujah. You, are, you, you, you get employed, they give you a promotion. Now you don't go to work. You are sitting at home having breakfast and you show up at 10 and then next promotion. Lord, I, I, I take it by force. You take it where you are a thief. You need to show yourself approved in what you are doing. If God placed you there, be the best of yourself, displaying the glory and the character of your father in whatever you do. Display the character of your father. Yes, when we were studying, there was a student. I want to, don't want to say his name. Maybe he's still alive. He's listening to me. We, he, he, okay, I have to say it because he had my name. So, in class, he goes there. Jesus wants you saved and stuff. And I was sitting there. I was also born again. Every time they give the result, this guy is the bottom. And Jesus wants you. Now, a lady went to her. And I said, listen, you see this other guy sitting there. He has your name. He's a Christian. We all know him. He's the top. You, you are preaching. He's not preaching. But we can follow him. We can't follow you. Because you want us to fail. <laughs> He said, if this, if this is Christianity, I don't want to be part of it. I want to be his Christianity, where he shows that a Christian has character. I'm here to tell you people, if God gives you a position, do it at the best of your abilities. Don't just pray grace. Do it at the best of your abilities. Not neglecting your fellowship with the Spirit. Because some people do it so good that they forget God. Sunday they go to work. When I say I'm not talking about the shift and stuff. I'm talking about people that deliberately choose, no, I didn't finish my work. I have switched some paper. So Sunday morning, they go to the office submitting. Who gave you that job? Go submit. After a year, they say, we don't need you here again. You come here. I'm praying for my job. What? Put God first. I said, put God first. In everything you do, may God be the first 
in everything you do, not neglecting the assignment he has given you. Let him be number first, number one in your life. Are you, are you blessed? I pray that God may bless you. This is the Christianity that brings revival. No, it's, this is what brings revival. So revival at your job is when people will say, John is a good man working well, but also is a Christian. We don't want them to say, he's preaching, but if you see his work, he does not. It's a shame. It means that the wisdom of God that is supposed to propel you is not there. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Never look into anything except Jesus. I want to finish with this last testimony that I sent to uh, uh, Lerato yes, last time. I was listening to a preacher, and he said his spiritual father told him this story. And that inspired me because I, God was speaking to me about this, and I saw the testimony. He said his spiritual father, they came to a place where they didn't have money anymore. They have only money to cook one meal, like in the time of Elijah. So the wife cooked, and God said to the man, tell your wife, when she is dishing up, she shouldn't look into the pot. So he went to the wife and said, God said, don't look into the pot. So every day she dish, but she's not looking. It's one pot. She didn't cook it over and over. It's there. She warm up and she dish. She does not look. One day she dish, it was chicken. They ate. The next day she dish, it was beef. They ate. They were eating different meals in the same pot without them looking. And God said, you just look at me. Don't look in the pot. And they say one day the wife was curious. She wanted to look in the pot. When she looked, there was nothing in the pot. She was just dishing up out of the supernatural. I'm telling you, if you stop looking at situation, God will take over. If you stop looking at your condition, God will take over. If you stop looking at your lack, God will take over. If you stop, look, stop looking at your condition. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm like all of you also. I'm paying installment for a house like everybody. And uh, the bank will tell you we are, we are increasing the interest. When I see it, I delete it. I don't read. I delete it. I don't, I don't open it. I don't care. I, I delete it. I say, because if I can read it, I will be worried. I refuse to be worried about this thing. Uh, you honest, you know what I'm talking about. Like every month now, they send you a notification. It increases, and then your heart goes. <laughs> Listen, can I give you an advice? Never read it again. Because when you don't read it, God will provide. The same God. Hey, hey, I was so. Listen, I've told my wife. The Lord spoke to me. He said, You did the buying, I'm doing the paying. He said, Don't worry. He said, you are the one that signed the papers, but I'm doing the paying. So when it comes to paying, look unto me. Don't look unto what the bank is telling you. Just focus on what I've called you, and I'll take care of the rest. People, I'm telling you, if you stop focusing on your problems, God will be lifted in your life. Thank you, Jesus. So we are, I'm giving, tell you, tell you what is going to happen now. The, the, the Hebrew year, five, seven, eight. So five, seven, eight, three. You see the number 83, if you read, if you read a bit, you realize that the number 83 in the Hebrew stands for enlargement, for breakthrough. 
It stands for, for, for fruitfulness. You know, the first time God used that word was in Genesis chapter number 1, verse 28, when he said to the people, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. The word fill, the numerical value is 83. So we are entering a time of breakthrough. We are entering a time of revival like never before. Position yourself so that the, 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 the glory of the latter house may be glorious than the former one. You need to understand that in God's calendar, we have entered the place of enlargement. So many people are going to see fruit over what they do. It, I, it will pop out. It's like suddenly, especially those who are in evangelism, suddenly the crowd will multiply. Why? Because it's the year of enlargement. 83. Full, full. Now, there is one thing also that is stand for. 83 stands for in the womb. Do you know that? 83 stands for in the womb. Now, what do the, the Hebrew people understand? That at number 83, the womb will deliver what was inside. So it's a place of you seeing the thing that God loaded in you for many years for them to come to pass. Hey, 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 hey. I hope you hear what I'm telling you. I hope you hear what I'm telling you. So it, when you are aware of that, you position yourself because now everything you touch will just blossom. It will just, you don't need effort anymore. We are entering a time where self-effort is gone. It will be God on the throne because it's time we are going to an end. So God is, is fixing himself to, to make his people known. And the spirit of the Lord spoke to me. He said the fame of Jesus went. Jesus didn't take his fame Anywhere, God Himself sent me fame. And it's time. I say it's time. Somebody say it's time. So, 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 we are in a time of breakthrough. We are in a time of what is in the womb need to come out. Amen. Hallelujah. And, 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 and the word, the same word was used in Isaiah chapter number 54. I think verse 3 or 4, where I say, enlarge the place of your meeting. It's the same word with the 83 as numerical uh, order. Now, now, why is God doing this? Because we are entering a time where God says, once more time, I will shake the heaven and I will shake the earth. And, 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 and this house will be filled with glory. And he said the glory of the latter one will be more than the, the former one. And we are in a time where it's a raining season. It's a raining season. It's a, I don't know if you understand that. It's a raining season. The power of God is going, is going to be dispensed in this earth like never before. The power of God, listen, the power of God is going to be dispensed on this earth. And you're going to see miracles that you have never seen in your life. Because God is, is fixing to shock humanity so that those who laugh at the church may understand that the church is an instrument in God's hand. The wisdom of God is the church that is here on earth. It's time for you to arise for your light has come. Listen to my voice. It's time for people of God to, to, to position themselves. Why do we announce that? Because we are a prophetic voice. And if you don't know what God is doing, you will miss on what he's doing. So I'm, I'm triggering the desire in you to stand up and say, Lord, if it needs whatever it takes for me to be at the place where you want me to be, give me grace to do it. It took Abraham to put Isaac on the altar before he saw the power of God. It took him because, like I told you, that story happened at, according to the Hebrew people in, in Rosh Hashanah. So it, it took Abraham to put Isaac on the altar. 
for him to see the power of God. Whatever it takes. I, Jesus, the mother of Jesus came to them and said, do whatever he tells you to do. There was no wine. Can I submit to you that the bridegroom didn't know there was no wine? Why? Because he was focusing on his wife. In the wedding, his focus was, wow. So wine was over, but he was not aware of it. Only those who were in the background knew that the wine was over. You know, when we are busy with God, we are not aware of some stuff. Other people have to tell you what is happening because you, you don't have time for that. They have to tell you what is happening on Facebook. They have to tell you what is happening on WhatsApp. They have to tell you because you don't have time for that because you are focusing on the bridegroom. <laughs> so, so, so he didn't know the wine was over. But they came and they went to the mother of Jesus and he said, tell you, do whatever he tells you. That's a powerful word. Whatever. So it means if Jesus had told them, go take the jar and jump on it, they would have done it. He said, everything, anything, anything, anything. If he told them, roll to the ground, they would have done it. For you to see the power of God, you need to do whatever he tells you. Whatever he tells you. And whatever he tells you might be different from whatever he tells me. And whatever he tells her might be different from whatever he's telling you. But whatever he tells you. I say whatever he tells you. You do it. And you'll see the breakthrough. Like never before. The water will be turned into wine. Water that has no taste is used to bring glory. In this dispensation, God is going to bring wine into your marriage. Meaning, where it was feeling like water. You know, you know, so the marriage comes to a place where you don't taste it anymore. Uh, you, you can pretend, but you know you don't taste it. And, 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 and then you put it in the hands of Jesus, and what he does, he changes that water into wine. What does it mean that you go back to honeymoon? <laughs> there are some people that are going back to honeymoon. I say you're going back to honeymoon. Even honeymoon of your relationship with Jesus. Some of you, you don't feel the taste of your relationship with him anymore. He's changing that, and you're going to taste you're going to taste the wine. I say you're going to taste the wine of his presence. There is new wine. <laughs> there is new wine in the kingdom. And this new wine is pouring now into the church. And we need to have the courage to stand up and drink from the new wine. It is time. I say it is time. Oh, before we do the offering, I want the worship team to go in front. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit.